the risen Jesus spoke to this church in Sardis in Revelation 3, he had a message for them. And his message was, wake up. Or, wake up. And they knew what he was talking about because it was part of their history. And the Apostle Paul, in the reading that we heard this morning, issues a similar warning to the Christians in another of those seven cities. The Christians who lived in the great city of Ephesus. He's focusing on the subject of spiritual warfare. We saw the pictures of the armour and the soldier. And after urging them to put on the full armour of God, listing each individual piece, (coughs) we see that Paul is not quite finished. For he concludes with a wake-up call, which is our verse for this morning that we're simply going to focus on. Ephesians 6, 18. A wake-up call. This is what he says. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. Ephesians 6, verse 18. Be alert, literally in Greek it means stay awake. Not just physically awake, though that would be a good start for some, but spiritually awake. What is the sign that you are spiritually awake? It is not just prayer. For sadly, sometimes when we think we are praying, it is the spiritual equivalent of talking in your sleep. No, Paul says it is praying in the Spirit, with the Spirit's help. In the Spirit's power. Some 50 years ago, Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, a great Welsh preacher, preached through Ephesians. Took him about five years, I think. uh, And came to this verse in Westminster Chapel in London. And this is what he writes. What the Apostle is telling us is that even orthodoxy is not enough. We must be orthodox. We must have the whole armour of God. We are hopeless if we've not got it. But the point is that you cannot fight the devil, even with the orthodox doctrine, if you're attempting to do so in your own strength. There is such a thing as dead orthodoxy. It is possible for a Christian to be perfectly orthodox and yet to be defeated and to be living a defeated and worthless life. The same thing applies, of course, to a church or a group of churches or a denomination of churches. There is nothing so tragic as a dead Orthodox church and the explanation always is that they have forgotten this further exhortation, having put on each single piece of armour carefully and thoroughly, they have forgotten this further injunction. And Ephesians 6.18 describes the comprehensive character and characteristics of praying in the Spirit. In the original text, the word all is mentioned four times in one verse. Here's what it says. Once again, you'll get the verse at the end of it, believe me. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayer and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always, literally in Greek, with all perseverance, keep on praying for who? All the saints. So, I simply want to leave you with this on our anniversary Sunday as a wake-up call to Charlotte Chapel, of which I am a part. Because unless you preach this to yourself, you're preaching, in a sense, in a vacuum. So, for all of us as a church, it's a challenge to pray in the Spirit. And following the service, you're going to have lots of opportunities to do this in practice. So, 
Listen carefully, we'll go ahead. Okay, four very simple things that you should be able to remember quite clearly. First of all, when to pray. When to pray, he says, on all occasions. The word translated occasion is literally time. But the sense here is not pray all the time. No, the word refers to specific periods (coughs) or events in history or in our lives. Whatever they may be, the Christian is to pray on all occasions. Now, there are two extremes of experience that we all face when we need to pray. The first area we need to pray in is we need to be praying in adversity. That is when things go wrong. In John Bunyan's classic Pilgrim's Progress, Christian is given the full armour of God to wear. If you've never read the book, it's still a classic. One time Christians read the Bible, then they read Pilgrim's Progress. You can get modern versions... But if you can manage it, read the original version. It's so much to say to us, even today. All right? Christian is given the full armour of God to wear, and he has a drawn-out conflict with the hideous dragon Apollyon. He's finally able to defeat him with a thrust of the sword of the Spirit, as he declares the word of the Lord and says, No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loves us. But if you know the story, later on he enters the valley of the shadow of death. And he's terrified and threatened by these awful voices from the pit of hell. And we read that in these circumstances, he was forced to put up his sword and betake himself to another weapon called all prayer. So he cried, O Lord, I beseech thee, deliver my soul. And after prayer, he is delivered. Now the story reflects the experience of many Christians. That God answers prayer at times of greatest need. But there is a danger, a great danger, that we come to see prayer as simply that. You know, coping fine, don't need to pray. Thank you Lord today, I think I can cope with today. If anything bad comes up, I'll break the emergency glass and speak to you. And Christians sometimes resort to that kind of method of prayer. But strictly speaking... Prayer is not another weapon. Prayer is something that is essential in all circumstances. Uh, The hymn probably puts it more accurately. You know the hymn, Stand Up, Stand Up for Jesus, Ye Soldier of the Cross. It says, Put on the gospel armour, each piece put on with prayer. So we're to pray on all occasions. And at times of crisis, our prayers, are they not, are undoubtedly fuelled and fanned into greater intensity by our circumstances. Who knows in this congregation, I have no doubt, I know some of you, quite a lot of you, but sometimes even the ones I know, I don't know your own personal battles and struggles. There are people here this morning who are facing great adversity, and trials, stresses, situations that you cannot see your way out of this morning. And you need to pray in adversity. Whatever else, Pray. But we also need to pray at the opposite extreme. We need to be praying in prosperity. At those times when everything is going well, and maybe there's lots of us here this morning who are on top of the world. I was going to say bright eyed and bushy tail, but I can't see too many of those, but you know what I mean. Uh, Those of us who are saying, my life's great. There's just so many wonderful things happened, and my job's going well, and my my family, and my career, and... uh, Just got married, Stuart and Stella. Nice to see you this morning, uh, Friday. Wonderful occasion. These times when God blesses us richly. But with the people of Sardis, 
These are the times when we are most vulnerable. More of us slip away from God at times of prosperity than we do in adversity. So we're less inclined to pray in the Spirit because we don't think we need the Spirit's help and strength. But we should be like the psalmist who constantly praises God and focuses on God's goodness. Praise the Lord, O my soul. All my inmost being, praise His holy name. Praise the Lord. And forget not all His benefits. Now, only if you've prayed at both extremes, and particularly in prosperity, can you rest in God's providence like Job when everything went wrong in his life and he said, the Lord has given prosperity. The Lord has taken away adversity. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So I simply ask you this morning, is your prayer life, and is the prayer life of Charlotte Chapel determined by occasion, by situation? Be careful. Sometimes, the Lord allows your house to be set on fire because it's the only way he'll get you to pick up the phone and dial 999. And just be thankful that when you do so, he doesn't say, where have you been, and put the receiver down. No, he always graciously answers the distress calls of his children. But he desires that we talk to him at all times, that we pray on all occasions. So our verse tells us when to pray. Secondly, it tells us what to pray. Pray, he says, with all kinds of prayers and requests. There's a rich variety in prayer. It's not a kind of monochrome thing, which it sometimes is in our lives. Uh, There are different words used for prayer. Here there are two words, prayers, which is a kind of general word, and requests, which is more specific. Um, The general word prayer covers all these different kinds of prayer. Uh, Let me share something with you this morning that the older folk will know by heart because you learnt it when you were growing up, probably, if you went to church, or those who go to script union, I think you probably use these kind of things. But there's a little way of remembering the different kinds of prayer and the priorities in prayer. It's the word ACTS, A-C-T-S. Now, I'm just interested to know how many people know what I'm talking about at this point. Let's just have an interesting... Yeah, that's good, yes. Okay, I'm not going to ask you, so you're okay. Okay, what does prayer begin with? A is for adoration. Adoration is the act of worship by which we bow down before God and acknowledge who He is and we simply express our love for Him. And you say, well, I I don't know how to do that. Well, maybe you've never been in love at all, if that's the case, but the Bible is just full of expressions of love and gratitude to God. Just open the middle part of the Bible, the book of Psalms, and you can pick at random. There's all sorts of places. Here's a great example. Psalm 18. I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, my deliverer, my God. You notice the personal terms. My God is my rock, whom I take refuge is my shield, the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. Psalm 18. But such prayer is not limited to the official Hebrew hymn book, as the Psalms is. It's found throughout the pages of Scripture. Patriarch and prophet, man and woman, Jew and even pagan Gentile, high and low, Worship the living God in words inspired by the Spirit. That's what it means to pray in the Spirit. And in the New Testament, you just need to turn back to the opening 
opening section of this book of Ephesians. And the Apostle Paul launches straight in and he says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. And if you know Greek, he then goes on for eight verses without a pause or a, well, there's a few commas here and there which probably weren't in the original. But there's this great long sentence about God has blessed us. He's lavished his grace upon us. He's adopted us into his family. He's chosen us before the foundation of the world. And he just goes on and on in this sort of Song of praise to God. Now, I simply ask you this morning, does that, is that the kind of prayer you ever pray? Do you ever say to the Lord, Lord, I love you? Lord, I'm so grateful to you. You're my God, my rock, my deliverer. You can just list pages of things, attributes of God and things that God has done for you. And when you do that, you just try, because the Holy Spirit will give you words to speak. In fact, the Bible actually says on the occasions you don't know what to say, and the Holy Spirit speaks with words that you can't even understand. God, God speaks through you and offers hymns and songs of praise to God as you pray in the Spirit. But when you do that, something very interesting happens. If you've ever done this, you suddenly realize how great God is and how holy God is, and you realize how little and sinful you are. So the second thing that always follows is confession, A-C-T-S. The more you focus on God, the more glaring the contrast between your own life and character. And so inevitably you come to confession. And again, the Psalms are full of, some Psalms are Psalms of praise, some are what are called Psalms of penitence. The best example probably is Psalm 51. Uh, the heading says, a Psalm of David when the prophet Nathan had come to him after David had committed adultery with Bathsheba. We're going to use this at the end of the service, so I won't read it again, but it's, it's a prayer of penitence. You see, specific sin requires specific confession. So this morning you may be sitting here and saying, I don't know what I'm doing here. And I couldn't sing that song, How Great Is Our God. I mean, these people, you know. I'm just Really, you don't know what I did this week, yesterday. No, I don't, but I know that God's grace can cover it. That's why we come together. Not to say, how great are we? Reminded the man who got confused in a service one time, and he said, we're now going to sing that great hymn, How Great I Am. He meant to say, how great thou art. <laughs> now we sing how great God is, and how great his love is. And the New Testament tells us, John writing his letter, one of the followers of Jesus. If we confess our sins, God is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So, what part does confession play in your life? You see, it's very easy to be like the child who, you, you know when your children fall out, this is a long time ago, embarrass my children, but, uh, you know, and they've had a fallout and you say to the one who's, who's guilty, you say, say sorry. And they go, sorry. And then off they go, you know. So. I said it. You're not really sorry, are you? And sometimes it's like that with God. Oh, Lord, I'm here. I'm sorry for my sins. Give me what I need, you know. That's not real penitence. You know, in, in a very real sense, we're called on to repent, but God grants to his children repentance. It's not an easy thing to repent. Sometimes we sin and we think, oh, well, I can just clear it next week, you know. Get the slate wiped clean again. You know, I'll just repent. 
It's a hard thing to repent, to truly turn to God and to truly be sorry for your sin. Okay, adoration, confession. Third thing is thanksgiving. How quick we are to cry out to God when we're in need. How slow we are sometimes to thank him when he answers our prayers. There's that lovely story, you remember it? The ten lepers that Jesus healed. And only one came back to say thank you. And he was a Samaritan, an outcast. One of them, when he saw he was healed, he came back praising God in a loud voice, threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. He was, and he was a Samaritan. Says Luke, Luke 17. And Jesus asked, where are all the other ten who were cleansed? Where were the other nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Other things that you have never said thank you to God for, that he's given you and done for you. You just take them for granted. Or, have there been occasions in your life where you've really been in a desperate strait and you've pr- cried out to God for help and he's graciously answered and you never even bothered to go back and say, Lord, thank you so much for what you did for me. You need to put that right. Thanksgiving. Finally, ACTS. Supplication, or the word translated in Ephesians is request. Uh, there are some people whose prayer life is limited to a kind of shopping list, like a child's Christmas letter to Santa. But there are others who sometimes feel it's kind of unspiritual to ask God for things, to bring my personal concerns to God. After all, he already knows them. That's true. But that doesn't stop you asking Jesus taught us we can come to God as children to a father. Here's Matthew 7. Ask and it will be given you. This is Jesus telling us. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. To him who knocks the door will be opened. Which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If then you who are evil, imperfect fathers, give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father in heaven give? Good gifts to those who ask him. You see, if you're a parent, imagine if your child only ever spoke to you when they wanted something. The rest of the time they were stum, you know? You'd not be very pleased about that. But imagine also if you're a parent and your child was in desperate need and never told you. You'd be upset, wouldn't you? So this is what we're to pray with all kinds of prayers and requests. You can only pray like this, of course, if you have that relationship with God. If you know what it is to know God as your Heavenly Father. That's why the Apostle Paul says in Romans 8, if you don't have the Spirit of Christ, you don't belong to Christ. But when the Holy Spirit comes to live within you, it also says in Romans 8, it says, His Spirit witnesses with our spirits that we are God's children. That, that there's a, an emotional deep within spiritual knowledge that you belong to Christ and that that God is your heavenly father, maybe the father you never knew and better even the best father in the world. And I simply ask you this morning, it's our anniversary, the visitors here, there are people, some of us have no awareness of the father love of God in our lives and we need to just simply come to him and say, Lord, I turn from my sin, I trust in your son, he'll give you a spirit and suddenly you will know what it means to know God as your heavenly Father. So, when to pray, what to pray. Thirdly, how to pray. How we're to pray. With all perseverance, the literal translation of always, keep on praying, is pray with all perseverance. The word perseverance refers to the person 
who doesn't give up easily, but persists and sticks at it until they achieve their goal. And the goal here is prayer. We're to stick at it until God answers. Or until we receive assurance that he has answered, and it's not quite happened yet, which sometimes happens. Jesus taught his disciples about this on one occasion. Remember, it was one of his parables. A parable about persistence in prayer. Uh, Luke 18. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. It's that story about an unjust and godless judge who cared neither for God or men. And there was a widow woman who wanted him to sort out someone who'd done her in, you know, and, and get, get justice. And he just ignored her and she just kept going on and on and on and on. And in the end he said, all right, woman, I've heard you, I'll do it. What's the point? Well, the point is not that God is like an unjust judge. This is what Jesus said, the point of the parable the Lord said. Listen to what the unjust judge says. What's the message? And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Will he find praying people? The point is that, not God, that God is not like an unjust judge. No, the point is... If a guy like that, an unjust judge, responds to persistence, how much more will God respond to persistence in prayer? So we're urged to ask and keep on asking. That's the sense of Matthew 7, 7. We're to go on seeking, seek and go on seeking, knock and go on knocking, in the assurance that God will answer. We're to pray with all perseverance. Now again, let's be honest and realistic. How many of us have given up on praying for certain things? Or given up on praying full stop. Or given up on prayer meetings in our church. Or maybe we were challenged one week and we heard, I need to go, I should be praying for the missionaries. It's this Wednesday, I'm going to go. And we go one Wednesday and then something else comes up and it's uh, European Cup night on the television and then watching a football team. You think, oh, it's a rainy night, I think I'll just stay in this evening. We give up so easily, do we not? There are lots of opportunities to pray in this church. If you don't like big meetings, there are small meetings. About ten of us meet Friday mornings at 7.30 before work. And we have a great time. Just for 45 minutes we pray and then there's some bread rolls and coffee and you can get your parking before the guys and have you at 8.30 and you can go to work. Well, that might suit some of you. Not everybody could make that. Uh, there are prayer meetings in midweek. There are prayer triplets. There are small groups where we pray. There's the big prayer meeting when we try and come together to pray. It's been great to see so many people here. The other week we ran out of chairs the first time since I've been here. It's great. But, you know, we need to stick at it. Persist in prayer. I know we're all busy people. But can I say this? It's when you're busiest that you need to pray more. Next little book on prayer by Bill Hybels. Too busy not to pray. If you've not read it, get it and read it. See, the problem is, when we're busy, we stop praying because that's the thing that gets squeezed out of our lives. But it should be our priority. It's why most people pray to begin with in the day. It's not legislated on, but you're fresher then and get it slightly earlier and... Spend a bit of time praying. I know with families it's difficult, believe me. And there are different stages in life where it's more easier than other times. But find a spot when it is. Or maybe, maybe uh, mum, you've delivered the kids to school uh, and after you've delivered them to school you come back home and get a cup of coffee. Well, you know, take ten minutes to pray. Okay, you may have got something else on. Don't get me at the door because of that. But you know what I mean. Find a space in it where you can do it. 
I had a friend who was a school teacher. He had four children. He said to me, I just, you know, I get up in the morning, I help my wife, I rush out and everything. What I've started doing, he said, I, I leave home. He worked in a town about a 30-minute drive away. He said, I try and get out of the house 10 minutes or even 15 minutes earlier and then there's a park and a lay-by near a pond, he said, and I pull my car in there and get my Bible out and just read for 10 minutes and then drive on to work. Well, whatever suits you, but, you know, persist in prayer. Stick with it. Okay, let's move on. We come to the end. When to pray, what to pray, how to pray. Finally, he says, who to pray for? He says, keep on praying for all the saints. Now, the word saints, of course, doesn't mean some special people. The word saint in the Bible simply means Christian. Those set apart by God. And it doesn't mean we shouldn't pray for non-Christians. Of course we should. But it's especially important in spiritual warfare to pray for one another. Friends, sometimes we think Charlotte Chapel, you know, I read an article once comparing churches to ships. And this person said, some churches are like cruise ships with loads of entertainment and things for people to do. And other churches say, we're hospital ships because there's so many casualties around. Uh, and he said, but really what we are, we're a battleship with a sick bay for those who get hurt in the conflict. And we need to be praying for our fellow soldiers. Why? Because when one is injured or falls, we all suffer and are hurt. If you've been a Christian any length of time, you'll know you'll suddenly hear sometime someone who's walking with the Lord and they've fallen away or fallen into some moral error, sin, like David did. And so often we say, oh, that's terrible. I just can't think how that happened. If they're friends of yours, can I simply ask you, do you say, maybe it happened because I didn't pray for them? And let me ask you a question. Is there any saint you know that you can't pray for this morning? Look round Charlotte Chapel and the membership. Is there anybody you say, I couldn't pray for that person this morning? It's not an easy thing because in any local church, in any infantry division, there are those who are injured by what is euphemistically called friendly fire. Nonetheless, we are to pray for those who hurt us, even for among the saints. You can only do that if you're praying in the Spirit because only the Spirit can give you grace to turn bitterness into blessing and to say to Lord, that person who hurt me, bless them, Lord. Not sort them out, Lord. Send a thunderbolt from heaven to shake them up, you know. <laughs> and what of other saints? How often our horizons are limited to what we see around us. I say, I've said it before, I'll say it again. All Christians should either through the internet or take a magazine to find out what's happening in other parts of the world because throughout the world, as we saw the other week with Patrick Sukdev from the Barnabas Trist, there are Christians who are suffering for the gospel. I'm not going to even tell you because I only could say it of what happened to one pastor this week. He was murdered in a most dreadful way. Tortured. Killed. We're to pray for those who are persecuted. And what of our own missionaries? Many on the front line of the battle. We send them out. We say, we'll pray for you. Do we pray for those who are ambassadors for Christ? We're going to be doing that today. We've got opportunities. We're going to 
use Google Earth and focus in on a couple of our missionaries and speak one at least directly, one or two I think, and, and, and find out from them what they need us to pray for. On Wednesday we meet to pray for our missionary family every month, once a month. On a Wednesday we pray for those who are ambassadors for Christ. What do you pray for them? Well, Paul actually tells us later on, he says, will you pray for me, to these Ephesian Christians? He said, pray also for me that whenever I open my mouth, words may be given me, that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Very interesting. Here's a man who's in prison, in chains, literally. Chained to two soldiers is his writing. I've often wondered how he did it. I hope this chain, his non-writing hand, you know, clink, you know. He didn't say, pray for me that these chains may be released. He said, no, pray that I'll use the opportunity to explain the gospel to this captive audience either side of me. Pray that I'll proclaim the gospel fearlessly. Those of us who have the privilege and responsibility of preaching in this church, we need you to pray for us so that what we say is clear. So that we don't pull our punches and say, that's a difficult passage, I think I'll skip that one. We need to pray for conversions. One of my concerns as pastor of this church is that for the size of the church, we ought to be seeing a lot more people come to faith in Christ. Is that not right? But are we praying for that? We're praying. Don't miss that. So, I'm almost said I was concluding before, but I am now coming to the end. That's our theme. Let me just remind you of it and say a final word. A wake-up call. Pray in the Spirit. On all occasions, with all kinds of prayers and requests, with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. Began with the story of Sardis, 30 minutes ago. And how a great and wealthy city was conquered through complacency in 549 BC by Cyrus and his army. The Persians took over the city. Now, here's something remarkable. Of course, they took it over and used it, because it was a fantastic you know, outpost you could defend so easily. 300 years later, 350 years later almost, in 214 BC, another great army led by another great leader, Antiochus III, one of the successors of Alexander the Great, also came through the region with this vast army and he came and besieged Sardis, just like Cyrus had done three centuries before. You'll never guess what happened. Exactly the same thing. Someone climbed up with some soldiers up the same route. And you know what happened when they got to the top? They found exactly the same thing. No guards at all. And the city was taken again. You see, every generation needs to stay awake. Every generation needs to heed the wake-up call. Every generation needs to keep on praying in the Spirit. If we do not learn the lesson of the past, we will repeat it. Or you say, Charlotte Chapel's a big church. Lots of people come. It's full. Yes? Thank God for it. But beware of complacency. Remember Sardis. All those seven churches, the tragedy of going around the seven churches in Turkey is that they're all archaeological sites. There's one or two little congregations springing up in one or two of the places like Izmir, Smyrna. But all those churches, when Islam came through, it just wiped them out. One of them held out Philadelphia till about the 12th century. No living witness could happen to Charlotte Chapel. If you don't think it could, you need to wake up and we need to pray. Keep on praying in the Spirit. Now, we're just going to do that, all right?
So, as we come to a conclusion now, uh, you'll see some things come on the screen. You'll notice there wasn't a prayer intercession because this is it. So, stay with me and we conclude the service with acts, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. First of all, adoration. Let's just sing quietly as we're seated. I love you, Lord. I lift my voice to worship you. Oh, my soul rejoice. Take joy, my King, from what you hear. May it be a sweet, sweet sound in your ear. Use this as your prayer of adoration. Thanks to God. Then we'll allow time for you just to bring your own praise to God in the quietness. Remain seated. Lord, we're aware of our own unworthiness and our own sinfulness. And so, we bring our confession to you this morning. Let's say together, you'll see on the screen, the words of David, Psalm 51. We repeat them together if you want to repeat them as your own personal confession. Let's read together. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion. Blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Cleanse me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. 
Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. The thanksgiving. Lord, we thank you for our forgiveness through our Lord Jesus Christ. Your word tells us you did not spare your own sin but gave him up for us all. Will you not freely with him give us all things? We thank you for all the things that we enjoy materially, physically. For the measure of health and strength, <coughs> homes and warmth and food and clothing. Many things that people in our world have so little of. We thank you most of all for your gifts to us in Christ, every spiritual blessing. And we thank you for your goodness to us as a church over these almost 200 years. Thank you for those who maintained the light of the gospel a century ago when only 30 people or so attended this church and it was almost about to be sold as a furniture store. Thank you for that great revival that occurred a century ago. For the thousands who came to Christ, for the work that was maintained, for those who have served you faithfully in this place, not only in the pulpit, but those in the pew who have worked so hard and served you so faithfully. Many of them, though dead, yet still speak to us today. And we thank you for all your blessings to us now in this generation. So much to be thankful for. Lord, we want to give you the glory and say, the Lord has done this. It's marvellous in our eyes. And as we conclude this section, maybe there's something you need to thank God for this morning. Maybe something you've never forgotten to thank him for, that you asked him about. There's something you've taken for granted. Just take a few moments to do that. Occasion, let's bring our request to the Lord. Lord, we pray for our world. A world in great need, a world in turmoil. A world where there is war and violence, revenge and hate. A world of sorrow and sadness. We especially pray for our brothers and sisters suffering for the name of Jesus in many parts of the world. We long that their suffering may be relieved, but we pray with the Apostle Paul that the gospel message that they proclaim in their suffering might be proclaimed fearlessly and clearly. Lord, sustain them and help those who help them. May we continue to support the work of organisations bringing relief. We pray for the proclamation of the gospel in this place, not only in word from the pulpit, but in our lives as we go out into another week. May our light so shine before men that they may see our good deeds and glorify our Father in heaven, as our Saviour told us. May we continue to be salt in a decaying society, in light, in a dark society. We pray especially for those who are students. We pray for the Christian Union at this time in Edinburgh and the challenges that they face at this particular time, that they will be fearless, gracious, and clear in what they say and how they respond to the challenges they face. pray for our mission families scattered throughout the world. We'll encourage them on this day and as they maybe receive this tape, that they will be encouraged that we are praying for them and supporting them 
Thank you for those who are here. Kevin and Fiona and their family. For others too who are serving you in the UK. And today we pray for the Chapel family. We especially remember the family of Barbara still. We thank you for Barbara and her gracious servant heart and her love for you. And pray for Andrew and Duncan, her sons and the rest of the family. As we join together to give thanks for her life on Wednesday. We pray that might be a testimony as she would have wished to her life and her saviour. We thank you for those who are rejoicing. Those who have recently been engaged. May you bless them and guard them in all their ways. Help them as they move towards marriage and building Christian homes. Thank you for the wedding this week of Stuart and Stella. And pray you bless them and their families. Then we bring to you those who are unwell at this time. For Les Beatty, Ella Bruce. Grateful that baby Charles is back home with his parents. For our brother Doug who's here this morning. You bless him for Peter Murray as he continues to undergo treatment for our unreal to George Nash, that you'll bless him and Dorothy at this time. For my mysteric, Kathleen Wilson. For others too who either aren't mentioned because they don't want to be or we're just not even aware, we pray that you'll meet our needs this morning as we conclude with our own personal and private requests. So we conclude this time of prayer, in other words, from Ephesians chapter 3, great hope. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen.